Welcome to the Ambitious Minds podcast. I'm your host Jay and I'll be uncovering the stories of normal individuals with extraordinary dreams. You won't find the celebrity CEOs here, but rather relatable, driven individuals who are striving to leave a mark in their respective industries. In these conversations we talk about progressing up the ladder in professional careers, building businesses, navigating imposter syndrome, the search for direction and the perpetual hunger for more. But amidst these challenges, there's a common theme, a profound love for the work they do and an unwavering dedication to success. In Ambitious Minds, we'll embrace the good, the bad and the ugly of being driven by ambition. I hope that through these stories, you'll find inspiration, relatability and perhaps even catch a glimpse of yourself reflected in the journeys of these guests. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Tom Lonergan, a property developer turned financial advisor. Tom and I met at work more than 10 years ago, and we've been discussing our ambitious dreams ever since, so it's quite fitting that he's the first guest on this show. Tom has already achieved what many set out to find, financial freedom. At the age of just 30, he had left the corporate world and built a meaningful property portfolio. However, for Tom, this wasn't enough, and he's now embarking on yet another challenge. I hope that you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoy chatting to Tom. He's been a huge inspiration for me over the years, and I hope that he is for you too. And finally, if there's anybody out there who you feel would benefit from a bit of inspiration right now, I would love it if you would share this show. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, mate. This is quite a special episode for me because you are one of the people that inspired me to do this podcast in the first place. Oh. <laughs> we met around 10 years ago we did indeed it was our 10 year anniversary a couple of weeks, ago, weeks yeah. ago yeah um, Simba diary. we were both working in an entry level finance role but we both had much bigger aspirations I continued down the investment management route whereas you want, always had a burning desire to start your own business yeah I did and you're only in your early to mid 20s when you decided to quit that job and start your own property development company yep Ironically now, you've gone full circle and are now working as a financial advisor in London, whilst also managing your property business yep, on the side. Exactly that. Can you just start by talking us through that journey? Why the desire to start your own business? Why property? And how did you actually get from working in finance into having a portfolio of your own properties? And then back again, I suppose, is the question. Uh, we'll get on to that later well, on. Well, yeah. yeah, let me... So what the first question was, why the move? And I think you sort of said it a minute ago. We both met in entry-level roles. I was from university. You'd had a couple of years in a, another professional industry first. But you're that age where you don't really know what you want to do. You don't really know which direction your career is going to take you. I got a bit disillusioned with what I was doing for a day job, essentially. And it just made me want to pick up books, start down that path of self-development, whereby you know you start trying to take better care of yourself, you start paying attention to the way you're spending your time and what you're doing in your working days. And I just thought, this can't be it. I can't spend the next 10, 15, 20 years slogging. You know, it's, 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 that, it's a cliche. I can't do that five days a week, nine till five, and hope that you know the light bulb appears. But, so, but some people, including myself, wanted the security of staying in a, a role, seeing a career pathway oh, ahead of you. But Yeah, sorry, don't misunderstand me. A security, a role, a path, absolutely. If you don't have that, you're lost. You know, if you can see a direction, absolutely stick to it because the path is the important thing. It's not the destination, you know, it's not that end goal. It's the every milestone along the way because... You know, the enjoyment of that of every milestone along the way is, you know, intrinsically linked to your happiness and all that good stuff. But for me, I just really didn't know what I wanted to do, didn't understand what I was doing. I mean, you can probably attest to that. I was not the best. I don't even know what we did. But, but push <laughs> I just know there was a lot of tasks. And the more tasks you did, the more you got. So I've wor I worked out the balance to not do a lot, but not be told off for not doing a lot. But yeah, one of those jobs. I'm sure there's plenty of listeners that can relate, but... Yeah, all that made me do. Didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I didn't want to do that. And if that's ever been you, then the only advice I've got there is just keep doing things. You know, there's a book, I think it's a Mark Manson book, where he says motivation isn't the source of action and, and result. It's a circle. It's not a linear thing. It's a circle. So I just started doing things, reading this, talking to that person, you know, just 
making a nuisance of myself really pestering anyone that I could for five minutes worth of advice in the end I stumbled across property as an eventual you know tangible thing to get my teeth stuck into it seemed to be an industry where you could self-start and you could with absolutely no knowledge make a go of some sort of angle of it years later I mean I've been I've had the property portfolio and the business now for probably seven or eight years that was a naive thing but that's the only way to tackle it you learn by doing so I went to networking meetings chatted up people that were a year two years three years ahead of me ten years ahead of me the ones that would listen and um, it gave me the inspiration along with a couple of key books Robert Kiru I can't say his second name but Rich Dad Poor Dad Google it and Amazon and uh, it's probably a number one or a number two you'll find it straight away books like that inspired me to think if I want some financial independence and a bit of a clue about what I want to do with the rest of my life just start doing and uh, yeah put the notice let, let me give some more context sorry I was definitely the right age without all the financial responsibility or even personal responsibility that you I would have had even if I'd have left it two years later that allowed me to make that move I quit the day job move back in with parents yeah. live on a shoestring um, I think that's one of the key things as well because the older you get and the more responsibilities you have the more difficult it ha- it becomes to be able to step away and, and break thousand away percent. thousand percent I, I, I wouldn't dream of doing it today I wouldn't have dreamed of doing it as I said two years later it was really a culmination of a few factors in my life at that point I think I must have been 23 maybe 24 um, I remember meeting my now wife and saying she didn't want to date a lot me. of good things came out oh, of this a lot of you, we, we shit my, on it we, well I don't, yeah, yeah I do for the, maybe it was the school of hard knocks that I took the good from the bad but yeah I wouldn't have you or Sarah Yeah, if not for that place and I am grateful for that genuinely grateful for that but I remember saying to her clearly when she joined she was like oh I don't want to date someone from work and I said don't worry I'm not going to be here because <laughs> I, I had the exit in my sights and it was the best thing I ever did because I had the opportunity to. And I think the only nugget any listener can take away from that is if you do sense an opportunity and the stars have a line, don't be afraid to do it. That being said, security and a known career path, because we'll come on to where I am now, are absolutely wonderful things that you shouldn't throw away lightly and you shouldn't be discouraged by either. They are they are what anyone wants, just some sort of steadfastness and some security and some sense of purpose. If you get paid well, that's a, that's a cherry on top. And the idea is great result and reward doesn't happen in huge chunks. It happens in incremental little bits over time, you know. Um, I'm throwing a lot of references out, maybe wrongly, but there's a book called Atomic Habits, which I'm sure plenty James of people Clear. have heard, James Clear, and that mentions very small, steady, incremental improvements, getting 1% better a day, a week, what have you. And really, when I was younger, I didn't understand that at all. I thought it had to be this really symbolic, you know, grandiose action and change that would galvanize result but it really wasn't that it was just slowly but surely day by day doing the right things with good organization and good the, th- the good thing direction. is though when you've got your own business every input that you have into it you can see an output whereas if you're working for another company That's you, you could just be working day after day after day making what you believe are incremental improvements, improvements and, not seeing and, not, what it affects. and not seeing any benefit from yeah. it yeah. Uh, whereas if you've got your own business, you can literally work 20 hours a day and then probably and go to all your networking events, get the right mentors. And see the thing, results. And see the results. Yeah, and that is exactly what keeps you motivated in the early days, you know, before all the bloated element of, you know, being your own bookkeeper and having people on the payroll sort of start taking the fun out of it. In the early days, I might have got off track, but what I did was read up made some brave decisions with the amount of money I'd saved and screwed away, bought a property very cheaply in a, in a really cheap town that was on the up and up, flipped it, pocketed some capital from the, from the process of flipping. So flipping is purchasing, doing some, adding value by doing it up and then selling it quickly. Did that one or two times, saw that this model was working, invited some family members and actually some family friends, which were my first JV partners to jump in, did project three and four before I got to project five and and decided that numbers were good enough that I could keep it. I buy it cheaply enough, renovate it cheaply enough, refinance it well enough that I could pay back the people that lent me the deposit money um, with 
mortgage proceeds and finance proceeds and then keep it. And that was the start of my leapfrogging of aggregating, you know, one, two, three, four, however many more properties. Um, you know, it's not a huge portfolio. It's a nice size portfolio um, up, made up of multi-units, which, you know, it's probably too technical to go in now, but was a better strategy for me at the time than the single let route. Um, but flash forward five, six, seven years later, I had an itch and this is coming full circle back around to why I'm back now in the industry. I left financial services, but in a better place as a qualified financial advisor. Yeah, I've been on this journey with you as well. And I think having your own property portfolio is something that is very aspirational for a lot of people, particularly in the UK. But it's not a sexy thing. It isn't. It is not a sexy thing. I remember the conversations that we had along that journey. You were saying, you were coming into London to meet me and you were saying, I miss having these conversations with people because you were working as a self-employed person, a sole trader, owning your own business, but you weren't having those conversations anymore that were giving you fulfillment or purpose. No, and you know, camaraderie, peer support, even a bit of direction comes from the people you share goals and objectives with. You know, when you're in a when you're in a team or a company, you've got shared purpose and a shared agenda that kind of propels you all forward. But when you're on your own, really, you've got to motivate yourself on Monday morning. And that might sound like a silly thing to say. That's really hard. It's, it is a hard thing. And especially once you've got over the hump of the excitement of getting started. You know, when I was sort of three, four years in, it really started to affect me. It was just this, you know, it's like I had lead weights around my feet or maybe my fingers and I couldn't do any typing. But it just, I could not compel myself to open a laptop and answer the torrent of emails that was... You know, contractors needing organising and, and tenants, bills and keys tenants, and, and just just everything. Agents managing the tenants, they need managing themselves. Like I won't, you know, poke fun at anyone I still work with in case they are <laughs> listening. And if you are listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support, agents and tenants and contractors alike. You do a wonderful job. Um, but it's a fucking it's a sorry, excuse my French. It's a hard thing to be in business for yourself. All the financial responsibility. You know, I'm as, uh, all the health and safety responsibility. I'm responsible for all these roofs over people's houses, and I don't take that lightly at all. Um, but then I sat back, and you've known me, as I said, ten years. We should have done something for our anniversary. Um, I've probably come to you fortnightly with moans and groans, and you've had your moans and groans. So you know, I'm not just going to not just going to pretend it's just me. But really. I had to have that because what it's done is it's allowed me to tease out a journey that, that three, four years ago come with a bit of a revelation, a bit of an epiphany in that the age I am, I think I must have been 28, 29 at the time, I can't just be this slow and steady property developer and landlord for the rest of my life. It's just not a fulfilling enough thing. It's not a, you know, it's, it's just not enough. Um, and, and, for, and I'm not talking monetary, you know, it, it just as a caveat or a disclaimer, anyone that is offering out there real rock star returns, real kind of sexy, get rich quick avenues of property, take it with a massive pinch of salt. I can tell you honestly, I've done my 10,000 hours of listening to networking, speeches at networking meets, reading books, listening to podcasts, meeting these property gurus of every strategy and, and sort up and down the land. I have friends of mine that get together once a month and we talk about all the merits and cons of property. There's no quick solutions or strategies. There's brilliant opportunity, you know, planning gain where you add value by you know, planning permissions for various bolt-ons to existing properties or new properties, you know, just simply renovating or being clever with refinancing. It, there's so many avenues to property, but none of it happens quickly and you've really got to have you know, a, a grit and a determination to make a livelihood out of it. Um, and I had made a modest livelihood out of it that's going to be a pension fund for me and my wife one day, but we're both young enough where it was, you know, where's the career? Where's the get up and go? Where's the Monday morning excitement? You know, let's quote the job site, whatever it is. You've got to love your Mondays. You've got to love your Tuesdays, Thursdays, <laughs> Fridays. And I was not. Yeah, so you've, got, you've got to be able to get yourself out of bed. So going back to your first question, because I feel like it supports the argument for it's not black and white. You're not in business for yourself or employee. There's a million shades of grey in between, and, and and we've seen it in the industry. We are, you know, you can be a 
employed investment manager, a self-employed financial advisor. You can have a spin-off consultancy business. You can partner up with someone and have a limited liability element to that. You can go bigger, employ staff and become a limited company and, and, and offer services. The point is, don't just throw away, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater if you're doing something now that has got legs. You know, if you're interested in what you're doing, but maybe the place you're working or the peer group you're working with aren't quite you, make slight changes. You know, I think it's a Silicon Valley thing, isn't it? Pivot and iterate and pivot or whatever. Basically means change course slightly, trial something, adapt, be dynamic, don't just start again. Um, And although that might sound a bit hypocritical because, you know, when we were 22, 24, I did start again dropped out of financial services part way through all the exams 180 to a different d- career I, I don't really see it as that I used to joke when I was trying to get back into the industry where I called it my property sabbatical I used to say to people oh exclude, excuse the six year spot on my CV yeah. it was my property sabbatical and then if anyone cared enough to ask the question they'd get any, they'd get the impression that oh actually they've got someone here who's a bit entrepreneurial who's got a bit of get up and go and actually built something for himself they weren't just sitting playing Xbox for six years um, that was a bit of it but <laughs> <laughs> that's the perks of being your own boss um, but what all of this is to say is it's all been kind of by design and actually when I think about it now it's all enabled me to be where I am now and my specialism is turning out to be financial advice helping people with small businesses with property fin businesses so I think I'm a testament to the to actually my what I'm the point I'm trying to make here which is do what you're currently doing well and what you enjoy but if something's not quite right don't 180 just tweak you know ask a question of a peer poke somebody on LinkedIn or an email contact you've met at the pub, whatever, and just get a bit of inspiration that takes you down a path not travelled yet because I've found that that's where all my opportunities come from. It's yeah, just... You've, you've... I've met a number of your friends now that you've met at these property masterminds, and we'll get into this in a bit more detail because I think one of the key things that people can do, particularly when you're young and you're aspirational and you're trying to find the next opportunity, you need to put yourself into situations that make you feel a bit more uncomfortable. And you joined these property mastermind groups, you've reached out to people for mentoring, and they've guided you along the way. I know you've spoken with people that have been your mentors in the past, and I've met some of your friends, and I'm now that work in the property game, and some of them, they're, they're a really good group. Some of them, yeah, I won't but go into I, any I, more I think... detail, but they, they have a, a multitude of um, of different problems they've encountered, and they've enabled, they've helped you through some of those. I'm sure they absolutely have. And I can say this: of ninety percent of them, only in the last ten years have they become the subject matter experts they appear to be. Yeah. So that's great advice you've just said for anyone looking to start any kind of business. Just walk up to people, poke them, and ask for two minutes of their time. You know, not as not as naff or as formal as that. Just start chatting. You would be so surprised how willing people are to talk about themselves and their own exploits. Um, I know that's, that's why I've like, got you on the podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't need <laughs> asking twice. Um, it, you know, that's no secret, but it really is how you get the result. You know, all my inspiration after the books, which is only gets you so far, it was seeing people in my area that were doing what I wanted to do. That were, as I said, a year, two years, three years ahead of me. You know, it just, it just galvanizes the right actions at the right time and you would be so surprised i'm talking about property development in particular here how little people know one year after the next and by that i mean if i could think back to what my friends i've currently got didn't know five years ago you know i i wouldn't have felt the tiny little tiniest bit of hesitation about going over and asking to pick their brains and for the knowledge and sharing the knowledge because they don't people don't know really they, they get a bit better day by day but it takes years to be a master of any craft and it's an ever-evolving thing you know my all my peer group would comfortably sit around this table now and say you're always learning yeah and it's a journey i know that sounds like a cliche and a bit of sort of pseudo wisdom but it's true you just start take it one day at a time the only thing with property for example as a thing as an example is there is risk there's huge financial risk when you make that investment but it is a relatively forgiving industry you jump in you buy a cheap building in a town that's got the right yield metrics or is on the up and up and 
you know, it, there is a bit of a punt if you've not got the experience. But you do some homework, you do some due diligence, you, you, you do your, your research and... You learn from your mistakes You learn as well. from your mistakes, you know. And ultimately, you've still got either a parcel of land or a, or a building to sell on if you do fluff it up. Yeah. So, yeah, I know this wasn't necessarily a property-specific question. It was more about business. And probably the same lessons true of any business. They all require investment, be it monetary, time, energy. Um, if your circumstances allow, if you're minded to, and you've got the, 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 I think the only thing people can feel bad about is when the ducks are all in a row. And it's never going to be a perfect time to make big moves or make start businesses. But if you think your personal life is in the right position that you could trial something. If you think your professional life is in the right position where you could trial something, just try and do it. Try and take that first step because you end up just spending so much sunk time and energy fretting about what you should and could have done. Yeah. If you'd have just done it, you know, a year down the line, you'd be like, oh Christ, it was only a year ago I was thinking about doing it. Now I'm a year down the line. Yeah. And, and, I've seen so many people have so many great results by just attempting things. Not necessarily that end up successful. Of course, yeah. But their next thing then is, exactly, or their yeah. thing after that. And it's it, not a failure, it's just... Learning. Just trying a new thing. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And I've seen it time and time again with every one of my peer group, with my own my, my own case. You know, I got relatively lucky, but only because I hammered the research and sort of almost did it, you know, I did it on paper. I did it kind of on Excel spreadsheets before I did it, did it. Um, because property, you know, it's glacial, you have to invest a large lump sum to start with. But if it was a smaller business, you know, start that kiosk and sell that first prototype of the product, whatever. Do I, do, kiosk is probably a bit old fashioned. Do, <laughs> do it online, whatever. You know, um, going back to what I'm currently now doing, for me, it was jumping two feet back into getting requalifying, brushing off the textbooks, doing all the exams. But really, you then got a blank canvas and you need to start prospecting and selling your wares and telling people what you do and that is a very slow burner and it's never ending now. I would always be, well, to, to a point, pitching for business. Anyone that yeah. needs you know, pension planning, investment planning, certain avenues of tax planning, insurance planning, I will always be doing that and that's fine but it's part of the business and it's part of the journey. Um, there are just two things I want to cover before we get onto that part. But first of all, by starting the property business, you have achieved what a number of people want to achieve, which is this passive income in the background. So you've got a business. It may not seem very passive to you because it's very hands-on still, yeah. but you you do have this company in the background, which is generating a relatively yeah, yeah. good amount yeah, yeah. of money. And that actually afforded you the luxury of being able to say, I want to try something new again and, and actually pursuing something which you were passionate about, which was giving people some financial advice. The second part to that is, unlike a number of financial advisors, you've gone in now with a speciality, a USP, which mm. is I can only help you with the the traditional financial planning element of things, which you learn in your textbooks. You which you have through. to learn. That's Exactly. You know, that yeah. is the regulatory thing. Yeah. You've also started your own business and you're able to have an input with your clients if they wanted to start a property portfolio i could help you well yeah you're absolutely right the soft part of the job has been aided immensely from that experience you know and this session talk whatever they are oh that's my french bulldog right up <laughs> under the table are you are you feeding her wine under the table this wasn't supposed to be a session for singing the, you know, advocating either property development or our industry, financial services, but I think the lessons can be translated to anything. It's finding those little opportunities and those little windows of opportunity in these careers, these businesses. You know, so much in the modern world can be monetized or, or, or made a form of in, income or, you know, a form of vocation. You, for example, you've got a, you know, a, a technically a, a career in one thing, but you're choosing to do stuff on the periphery of that that hopefully leads to other things, be it networking opportunity, be it, you know, contacts, business ideas, whatever. Um, so it's growth, not in all directions aimlessly, but in the right directions when opportunity comes knocking. Yeah. And um, yeah. For the for the property thing that now links very well into my advice career, 
my best clients are small business owners, not just property, small business owners, because forget property as the medium, the vehicle is a limited company mm -hmm. with all its trials and tribulations and all the planning elements of running that successfully alongside your personal finances is what I've been doing for myself for seven years. Mm -hmm. It's what I've been talking about in pubs and bars with all my friends for seven years and it's now what I've been qualified to do in the last three, four years. Um, so yeah, it, 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 I didn't set out, well, I, I'm, I'm almost 34, so I didn't set out 10, 11 years ago with this idea that I was gonna come full circle, but as I say, as each milestone has come and gone, it's allowed me a view just far enough ahead that I can sort of aim towards that. Yeah, what, what you were doing the whole time though, is you were essentially practicing what you preach. You wanted to get yourself set up to be financially independent. And that is, you've got your business on the side, which you've grown organically. You've then said, okay, well, I'm going to qualify to be a financial advisor because I've been doing this myself for the last seven years, as you say. Yeah. Now I can also give people that formal advice exactly yeah and i'll just add for the fca listening i've not been given unregulated financial advice up until that point <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're absolutely right it, it's just you know i, I the, the listeners won't see this i'm blushing a little bit because it doesn't come naturally singing my own praises as as, as, no. as, my, as my wife <laughs> Shut up. but um you, you're right i you know I, I have stopped and thought how lucky grateful and everything I am, I absolutely am, because you've got to have a degree of luck, being in the right place, the right time, etc. But it's also just tenacity. Yeah, you just got to keep turning up, plodding on. I'm going to cite the fella again for the second time in the podcast. I think it's a James Clear quote. It's just showing up, and it sounds like a throwaway comment, but show up at your job, show up when it's time to study, show up when it's time to build a relationship, be it professional or personal, and the good stuff comes from that. Um, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical because between all of those little improvements that have come from a good connection, a bit of hard work and elbow grease has been a lot of, oh, you know, like just slog, mm -hmm. just uncomfortable, not particularly glamorous or enjoyable work. Um, but I can't remember any of that now. Thinking about in hindsight, I can only remember the real traumatic stuff or the really exciting stuff, which is life, I suppose, isn't it? Personally yeah. or professionally. Um, Talk to me now about your move into financial advice because you initially started off, again, you went back to basics. So we used to do a job, which is working in financial services, entry-level role, you essentially went back to that as a late 20s year old. You did your qualifications, went to work for a local company. You had, again, much bigger aspirations. You wanted to be a self-employed financial advisor. But then you went to one of the be biggest and best companies in the yeah, city. To I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to name names. Let's just not freeze. But yeah, always in the top whatever lists from the FT. I know by every metric and standard they are. I mean, it was they were voted number fourth, I think, in the country recently. But their culture, their values, their vision for the next 10 years just perfectly aligned with what I wanted. And the way our industry works, and you know this, you're almost a business within the business. You know, It's not a franchise, but probably the easiest way to conceptualize it quickly is imagine a franchise. Yeah, so I subscribe to a brand, to a, a house that covers all the nuts and bolts of how I do my job, and a lot, lot more, you know, more than I could care to mention. Um, but it enables me the autonomy to go out and actually do the job. Um, and that perfectly aligns with what I do as an aside with the property. Um, but it, yeah, you're, you're right, that wasn't my first entry point because you know, that one of those, a company like that wasn't going to give me a look in. But they, but they also did because the amount of experience that you had didn't actually justify you getting the position that you got eventually no, because they wanted a... Talk a good talk. Yeah, but but you, you actually sat down in front of the owner of the company yeah. and... Pitched my wares. You, but, you, but you pitched as an entrepreneur to an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. He founded the company. Yeah. And this isn't the only company you had an offer from as well. You had an offer from somebody else. I believe you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> I did. The funny thing was I left. So long story short, when I came back into this industry, I thought I need to, I need to get some experience and some miles, you know, on the clock at a local firm. 
because one, I actually needed to see if I could go back to conventional roles and be told what to do. You know, I'd been my own boss, I'd been my own North Star for the last five, six, seven years. And um, I thought, you know, I said to my wife, like, can I be told what to do? And she said, <laughs> no, you can't, you know, but I didn't really listen to what she had to say and I just went ahead and did it. Um, and it was an education, you know, that one, I think one and a half years in that local firm, but great people. It was a bit too much bum in seat and a bit too much computer admin, computer says no style task for me, but I knew I had to do it. That was the pain I needed to endure to be allowed the opportunity. You know, I don't think the firm I'm representing now as a self-employed agent of theirs would have would have been so Hide willing. you about that. They wouldn't have been so willing to have me on their books if I hadn't got a, a bit of placeholder experience. Um, but I think, yeah, entrepreneurial experience, my age, qualifications, and that tiny track record said enough about me to get me a short phone call that then got me a face-to-face, that then got me a second face-to-face with the boss. Um, and now, the irony is, out of 40 independent advisors at this firm, I think it's 120 staff, but there's 40 of them that are self-employed you know, agents, as it were, under this brand, um, one of the founders and I work hand-in-hand together. You know, he, he, We had such a good relationship from those meetings. I, I think he saw in me... if he ever listened to this he might say what are you talking about you're a bit of cheap labour but I think he (laughs) saw in me a a younger version of himself that he sees slowly but surely handing things over to and that's not this is not supposed to be a little monologue you know congratulating myself and patting myself on the back it is just testament to I've used the phrase make a nuisance of yourself I don't I mean that tongue in cheek it's testament to just keep turning up keep saying the right things to people, asking for a bit of help when appropriate, um, being valuable also, you know, none of this has come from not working um, and, and, you know, putting myself out there by doing, by going a bit above and beyond. Um, you have to take away problems from people above you. Absolutely. And he's the founder of the business and if you can make his life easier, then you become invaluable to that person. And, and it's the same for me as well. And one of the biggest lessons I've learned along my career is that if you can just alleviate problems from other people around you they will give you more and more Absolutely. and more responsibility yeah and they'll like you a lot more i know and they will a, like you a lot more as well yeah it's a human trait right if someone can be a help not a hindrance yeah then you're going to get on further you know we met up with um my one of my brothers recently who's I think 12 years younger than me. Yeah, he's in his early, early 20s. So he's just starting his career and he's he's forging ahead. He's in a great place, you know, does a different thing to you and I, but still in financial services. Yet he is feeling a tiny bit, uh, what's the word, hamstrung by his current firm, by his peer group. And I feel a bit sorry for him in the sense that we've, we have all been there. And the answer isn't necessarily in anything he can do there with those people. It might be. I don't know. I don't know his situation intimately enough. But if we overlay it with what we were going through at that same age, it's just making slight changes for for the same time I was getting proactive and dreaming about unpaid work experience in the property t- industry, you were dreaming about the next leg up in that firm, which very quickly turned to the next opportunity to meet with someone outside that firm and mm-hmm. going to investment management. Mm-hmm. You know, and your career has been a ladder ever since. Yeah, it's been the ho- literally the hockey stick example where it, you make small incremental improvements, you do your qualifications, and then one day you get that huge opportunity. And then you, you know, the people I work with would admit to this as well. It's sink or swim. Yeah. When you get the opportunity, you've worked, you've put in all of your hours in the, in this, in the background, you've got to preparing have for this tank. moment. You've... And then now it's the time to step up to the big boys table. Absolutely. And it's a couple of years three or four in your case of just, you know, real elbow grease and yeah. the results come. And now, to correct me if I'm wrong, but from the rear view mirror, mm-hmm. you're like, I can't really probably remember how much pain and, and struggle it was then because it's all, look at the good stuff that's come from it. But I do have to remind the trainee investment managers that we're now working with <laughs> how the journey for us, yeah. how difficult that was. Yeah. <laughs> because... I don't know if we're old enough to get into the preach about how entitled the 
the generation <laughs> after us is. I think that's a, a, a foible of every generation, every subsequent course, generation, yeah. right? But they do have it. They do have it easy. They have far too <laughs> <the> title. <laughs> if any of you are listening to this, you've yeah, take it with a pinch of salt. We've been there. You think yeah, it is all a struggle, but the year a year later, it, you 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 don't remember it. You know, you just keep on keeping on, and um, all of our good opportunity all of our good progress has come from just a bit of therapy you and I a bit mm. of over a drink you know with girlfriends and now wives in tow you know keeping us in check so we didn't get too uh, down and out but you're allowed to moan but ultimately there's no better um, medicine or solution to just rolling up your sleeves and cracking on and, and yeah. turning up day I, after day I think we're big advocates of the saying that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. That and, too. And, you know, you've become, well, one of my closest friends, oh. my best friend over oh. the, over these years. But oh, you, are the, you are someone that I turn to. Didn't get me anything for the 10-year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're someone that I turn to whenever I have a problem because I trust your advice. And Same, mate. thousand percent. Uh, but and, and we've also, I think that we've got that mindset, which is, you want to surround yourself with good people, people as well that are like that one step ahead of you. And you've got some really good friends who I've become friends with as a result because we're all like-minded people. Yeah. And actually one of the reasons, the motivations for starting this podcast is that there are lots of business podcasts out there. There are lots of these inspirational podcasts, but often they're interviewing you know, the multi-millionaires, the billionaires. People have already made it. People that have made it, whereas I wanted to do something very relatable because I'm very fortunate that the circle of people around me, you, you know, some of the people that I work with... Are all you on know, the path. Are all on that path. Yeah. And I'm also lucky that I work in, a, in an industry, you and I, where we are meeting people that have already made their money. Yeah, yeah. So you do the financial advice, I do investment management, but it is for people that have the millions already uh, that are our clients. Mm. So again, very grateful that I've got a number of clients that I can also speak to. And I want to sort of share that relatable advice to other people because it's something that motivates me all the time. Yeah, thousand percent. And I think you probably see it even more so than I do. I mean, if plenty of listeners won't know the difference between a financial advisor and an investment manager, but is it fair to say you look after the, you know, the portfolios and the pension funds for people in the millions category because you apply that level of expertise only to the people that can afford it mine is a much wider spread you know Mm -hmm. I see people you know young people at the start of their career people retiring with relatively modest means financial advice isn't about having loads of money and us helping you earn more it's about having whatever you've got and us attacking personal financial planning in the right way whether it be you know as 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 simple as budgeting and saving, as advanced as tax, you know, pension planning, uh, specialist products, and then with an investment underlay. So I see all walks of life. Mm-hmm. I see the 30-year-olds on the upswing of their career. I see the 65, 70-year-olds figuring out how to draw down from pensions appropriately. Um, and to echo your point, it is a privilege because there's a lot of difference between them but there's so much similarity you know everyone out there has got little money worries you know little gremlins that are constantly poking them even people with the millions have oh, money worries yeah and uh, you know it's all relative I, uh, someone says it and I won't keep citing a quote <laughs> James Clear well no <laughs> or maybe it's I can't, maybe it's Tim Ferriss or one of these other kind of podcasters but he says you know the hobo down the street's got money problems Warren Buffett's got money problems, pick your money problems and everything in between. And what they really mean is, let me make it more realistic. I've got friends now that are having the conversation about state school versus private school. Yeah, of course. And I'm not there. I don't have kids yet. Um, One day maybe I'm having that dilemma, but that is more of a realistic thing to frame what the point I'm trying to articulate than anything else. It is those people feel skin and they're like, oh, I can't afford to send my kid, my kids to school. But they're not saying because they can't afford the school uniform or the lunch money. They're saying because I can't afford the, I can't even imagine how much it's, pound a term. whatever, ridiculous, mm. you know, silly fees to send them to a private school that's half a mile down the road from the public school. Um, 
and it's just that relativity is everywhere. I, I see people in my day job that earn silly figures that don't have retirement pots yet, mm-hmm. and they're past what I would call a comfortable middle age. Yeah. But likewise, I see 30-year-olds that squirrel away and live frugally and are still worried. Um, so I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is <laughs> you're not alone if you're worried about money. <laughs> it's everybody. Yeah. You actually, it's funny that you mentioned the Tim Ferriss podcast because when we met each other, I'm pretty sure that was one of the things that we bonded over. Oh, podcasts. And, and now and we're sat of, around the table doing one ourselves, so we've yes, gone full circle. I know what we did bond over. It was word of the day toilet word, paper, wasn't it? Word of, or it wasn't toilet paper, it was a calendar. calendar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I can actually remember the two or three words we got excited about. Dram. Dram is a unit of measurement. As, as, I, say, as I say that, I'm pouring um, some more wine out of the carafe. Would you like some more? Yeah. Um, undulate and exonerate. Yeah. That was it. Excuse yourself. Absolve yourself from blame. <laughs> What's a pair of salads? It is a good job the other halves aren't here listening to this because you would be able to feel the eyes rolling back in the head. I already can. Is that your then, Yeah. 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 Actually this is this is going out to the public domain, isn't it? It will be at some point, yeah. <laughs> We're sorry everybody. Um let's start talking interest rates. <laughs> and and the the funny thing about that is that whenever we go out for dinner with our friends and girlfriends' wives the topic of interest rates, particularly in the last 12 months, uh, it divides it off, 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 often comes up. <laughs> yeah, now they want to talk about it. Oh, of course they've they been do. having a go at us for the last however many years. We've been when telling it, when about it was all this flat moment. and not exciting. <laughs> now they're all down on their hands and knees with their mortgage payments. They want to hear about it. Double standards, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so what else are we talking about? Yeah. So, um, what's next? You've you've done. You you started off in financial services you went into property sabbatical property sabbatical <laughs> but the, you went into being an entrepreneur yeah you started your own property portfolio yeah that is sort of ticking away in the in the background it, it will probably grow increment incrementally over the yeah, years as well you are now doing financial advice and sort of at the start of your journey there and, and that is something as well which you know i do this job and you talk about the the franchise element of it we are so lucky that it gives you it's a career that gives you the ability to do that. Yeah, but it, it gives you um, good work-life balance. Well, that if I can, if I can interject, like interrupt, that's what's next for me. You know, all of these moves have been deliberate, semi-deliberate over time, to get myself into a position where I can control enough of my time, work, personal downtime, all of that, and have that level of autonomy. Because for me. When I was early 20s, the only thing valuable to me was money and chasing women. But then my now wife locked that doesn't, down. Doesn't like that. And, and she doesn't like it anymore, no. So I don't do that anymore. I haven't done for a long time. So money is important, but it's not the most important thing. I love Sarah, my wife, every day more and more. I love our life together. we got two little doggies together, we go away plenty. We actually did our annual, let's book all our flights for the year last night and I'm feeling skint <laughs> after it. Not very good financial advice. Not very good financial advice doing it one first. I thought, oh, you know, they'll be really cheap, you know, going to Italy <laughs> or Greece in the summer. If I get it now, it'll be really cheap. But already on those websites, they were like red dates. and you mm. know, just, Yeah, anyway. Um, but that's what is next to me. It is, I'm right at the age... And a lot we talked about it in the car actually earlier, didn't we? When you get to a certain age, and it is that awful, arbitrary metric of north of thirty. Mm-hmm. I was thirty over COVID. You just after, and it just forces a bit of perspective. Whether it all happens in your mind or physiologically, who knows? Who cares? But point is, right now, my priority for the next ten years is work hard enough that I can afford the freedoms for time with my wife time for hopefully potential future children because I've recognised and we talked about it when we were early 20s setting the world on fire in a successful good way I mean that isn't really important to me anymore what is important to me is to have enough and that is relative for everybody um, and that is my only focus really I, I value family and friends my relationship with Sarah family and friends and all the softer stuff in my life so much more 10 years later after starting a business than I than I did then. You know, it's almost flipped on its head. 
what I value and um, without sounding too, I don't know, whatever the word is. Philosophical? Philosophical, I suppose. That for me is the next 10 years. It is a healthy appreciation for working hard and growing the two businesses in their various capacities, but more so it is getting grounded with how I want the next three, four decades to look Yeah. with personal life. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's something definitely I can resonate with. Turning 30 is quite a defining moment in your life because I don't even know what it is, but you all of a sudden you start to look at things through a completely different lens. The hangovers genuinely get worse. <laughs> it's like you, the day after, right? It Just literally a, is the day a after. Switch yeah. flicked, and there's going to be, you know, this if you if, if if you get some listeners and this gets some traction, there's going to be some people not for forty who are listening to this saying, "What the are you talking <laughs> about?" <laughs> prattling on about being north of 30 wait till your knees start aching and yeah out. although that has started happening for me as well actually but yeah you're right the the hangovers the day after a thing but it's a psychological milestone that we all play to yeah you know but so one of the one of the objectives from this podcast was to try to actually give some relatable advice to people who you know maybe are early in their careers or at that juncture and they're saying you know, I want to go and start my own business or I want to make a career change. Um, and I think there are a lot of people out there right now as well that are in this sticky spot where they are feeling like they're not making any any progress. The world is sort of, you know, standing still at the moment. It's been a tough few years it for has. us. It really has. And is there any specific advice or any, you know, you're somebody that reads a lot of books and we've both been down this self-help self-improvement journey where we've read the mark mansons and the james clears and we've tried to get our habits and that sort of thing yeah are there any practical bits of advice that you would give to somebody who is currently thinking about the next chapter of their life and maybe they've come to that fork in the roads i i would a thousand percent um because i think with anyone with ambition or anyone that's just got a bit of uncertainty in their day-to-day lives which is probably everyone if they're honest with themselves but if you're somebody who's acknowledged it and you're listening to podcasts like this or reading around the subject then I think all I can say is a tiny bit of a consolation is everyone feels like that and people who are six months into a business a year into a new career who are perceivably to the outside world looking in successful are all going through those struggles on a day-by-day basis. So the advice I have is just try and stop more often than you probably do and acknowledge the journey a bit more. And again, I'm trying to stay south of being too philosophical, but focus on consistently trying to work out, eat right, put in the appropriate hours, don't kill yourself, don't compromise family and friendships and all that. You know, you're not sprinting to an end goal. You are designing a lifestyle of day by day, taking little chunks out of your ever-growing to-do list that will never be empty, by the way, ever. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. That is a that is beyond tormenting, but it's one of life's realities. Um, just plan well. Don't focus too hard on goals. Focus on just how you operate in your work life, in your personal life, with your health and fitness, and just the improvements come. The, the, the biggest thing for me has been has been measuring things. <laughs> 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 the look, the eyebrow. <laughs> what I mean is the metrics in going to the gym, you know, just measuring, I, I basically copy my routine you know, I do three different routines a week and I copy each one at a time I go in. And that leaves a wake of progress. And mm-hmm. it's an it's a symptom. You know, I'm not deliberately trying to measure it. But I, I look back now, I use a note-taking app called Evernote. And I look back now over all these entries that are dated, are just, you know, backs and buys, you know, whatever. And I think, oh, what did I lift a month ago? What mm-hmm. did I lift two months ago? And I can see incremental progress. So that's for health and fitness. And without even trying, I've got a track record there. And that solidifies in me this sense of identity that I, I'm a gym goer and that I can work out more and, and be consistent with it. And Also, yeah. what you because I do exactly the same. Oh, yeah. I would say, this is not a life hacks episode, but, no, no. but one of my, the, my gym hack is 
have the same exercise have the same set of exercises every time you go to the gym mm. and i go to the gym i try to go to three or four times a week and i have the same routine and it's all body do the workout. same one each time the same one each time and i mm. leave a day in between mm. i don't do this i one day i train mm. back and biceps and the next day i do triceps and whatever i do squats i do deadlifts i do shoulder press but i do all these things in one gym session i leave it one or two days and i go back in and do the same again and you can first of all if you're short on time you can you can hit every single body part yeah yeah three or four times a week and you can also see those incremental improvements through weight yeah so if you're training one body part once a week it might take you six weeks to actually notice i'm like i've actually started lifting more on started lifting more i'd say sorry to cut across but that's i think the diehard lifters and fitness fanatics out there would say you need to mix up routines more to get impact da, 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 da. we're not talking about that we're not you value as do i the consistency of the habit more mm-hmm. you know the fact that your muscles are getting used to your routine now and da, 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 that's not as important as just what you don't want and i'm sure there's plenty of people that can relate is swearing off at the gym for six months yeah i don't which, have the time which comes from over complicating it right? yeah so I, I don't have the time to dedicate going to the gym every single day there will be some times when i try to fit the gym in something gets in the way life work dinner with friends gets in the way so you keep it simple you keep it consistent keep it simple keep it consistent and i know i can show up the next time and i can just do exactly the same again i don't have to worry about oh what am i going to do today in the gym yeah and And you should never do it like, like i think that's actually a good metaphor analogy whatever one of the two for life, you've got to have a bit of a plan. Yeah. You, know, you can't turn up to the gym and just start wandering around playing with toys. You know, you've got to go in. You know, everyone's a novice when they start. I'm still a novice. You know, I've been going for however many years, but there's machines I wouldn't dare to use because <laughs> I'd look a pillock trying to figure out how to operate them. But, but you, I have a plan. Eight exercises, however many reps, sets. You know, it is a metaphor. Maybe that's the right word. It, it is a bit of a metaphor for how you should approach your careers and your personal life. Is don't obsess over tick boxes, but have some foundations, have a plan on how you're going to attack a week, a month. And actually, if I can swing back around to some sound bites and some advice, recent life hack, whatever you want to call it for me, big, big one. And some people might hear this and think, oh yeah, that's an obvious one. But I heard it from a chap called Ryan Doris or Norris on YouTube, not particularly well known in the UK at least, but talks about the neuroscience of motivation and procrastination Mm. which I suffer from and it actually echoes a lot of other lessons I've heard from other people he's just labelled it better plan three or four most important tasks frogs you know that's a Brian Tracy example eat that frog plan them the night before and then as soon as your alarm goes off in the morning you roll out of bed maybe take a glass of water with you definitely dress but start working on Mm. those most important tasks it, this chap on YouTube explains it with brainwaves and what state you're in and before cognitive load gets the better of you. But it was almost instant how it cured procrastination for me mm. because just tackling those ugliest, biggest, most daunting tasks, first thing, well thought out from the day before is the key. It just allowed me to get such a springboard on the day. I used to religiously try and exercise in the mornings. That used to be the first thing I tried to do. But I found that that was cannibalizing my most productive hours. Mm. You know, I'd try and slip in a gym at 6.30, 7 a.m. I'd be back at home 8 a.m. I'd be showered and ready to start day at 9, maybe. But by the time the day started, people are already on you, phone calls, emails. And this isn't a wake up silly early and kill yourself hack. I still, I'm waking up a bit later, ironically. Waking up at 7, 7.30, but getting straight into it. And I find by the time I'm looking up, for breakfast it's like 10 30 and i've done the most impactful stuff i need to do that day and then i'm i'm still on a high the dopamine and the adrenaline is carrying me through the rest of the day i'll still get a gym in it will now just be a more casual lunchtime thing mm-hmm. and i'll be thinking about all the little more superfluous stuff that i can just breeze through when i come back because what previously my day did look like was gym get home tired look at the big task oh no there's little fires in my inbox now i can waste my time with and then the day finishes and I haven't done the big stuff I should could have done. Um, so that is just a, that's maybe a practical soundbite bit of advice, but talking more, you know, universally for people that are looking to start a career, move, 
start a business, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. Don't make these grandiose 180 lifestyle changes. Look for little slivers of opportunity just to the right or left of where you currently are. Be it in your current employment, be it in the business you're currently involved in, be it with the peer group you're currently involved in. Just look for those little opportunities. Be bolder and braver. And it comes, it just seems to snowball out of it. And there's no right or wrong industry. People say, oh, stock market, property, that has to be that, blah, blah, crypto, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can make a success out of any industry. I've got friends that are, you know, made more money than you care to think in landscaping. Yeah, I've got clients who have made money in the most niche obscure, industries. Obscure yeah, yeah. Things that you never knew existed. Exactly. And they just solve problems. Mm-hmm. They're valuable in their field, their niche. And um, they're not reinventing wheels. There's no one who's invented, you know, reggae, reggae sauce or anything. That's the most, <laughs> that, that the most inspiring product I could think of. There's no Jeff Bezos's and Amazon's in this collection of business owners that I know of and clients I now serve. They're just people who have just, I'm not going to use the word disrupted. They've just taken a, a career or, a, or an area, be it a local or an online arena, and just made it work for them. Yeah, I think the one area where I've seen people make a lot of progress and actually generated very, very profitable businesses is taking an existing idea that just isn't being serviced very well yeah, and then adding good service on top of that. Oh, thousand percent. Like in this day and age where people do not have the time or inclination to do things for themselves, and I'm absolutely guilty of this, you pay for service. Yeah, You pay a premium for service. So I'm thinking literally of the friend I just mentioned with the landscaping business. I don't want to do a disservice to a whole, you know, ream of society, but you kind of landscaper types out there. There are some that are a bit gruff and a bit rough around the edges and don't know how to text properly or turn up on time. He is meticulous with, you know, automatic texts that introduce and say hello. You'll be getting called for an introduction here, email invoicing and breakdowns of jobs and turns up on time and, you know, all these staff have uniforms on. It's just silly little things that make a difference and allow him to charge probably 20, 25% more, but also get referred. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's not national. He's not online he's just local I, don't, I can't think how many people he has working for him maybe 10 15 and um just to, you know they're just servicing the neighborhood and he sits probably not on his laurels that that's probably unfair he's got staff and a business to run but he's not out there trimming hedges you know, he was back in the day as i was driving up and down the a12 to the various towns i was buying in and uh trying to diy and you know, use a screwdriver to bang an out of it. But there's the stuff you do as a business owner when you get started and then you learn and you adapt and slowly and surely you delegate and uh, he's at that stage now and it's wonderful to see. But you're right, looking at him as an example, it's not a sexy or special industry. You must have a million examples of your clients, as do I, that are just doing conventional roles and businesses mm-hmm. just extremely well. Yeah. You know? And I think just to summarize as well before we wrap up, but if if you're trying to move on to the next step in your career, or if you're just trying to be good at what you do, um, push yourself outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And you know, try to make a network of people. You've you've done this really, really successfully where you have gone to these events where you don't know anyone in the room, but there are these mastermind groups in the property world, um, and then you've tap them on the shoulder and said, do you mind if I ask you a question about something? Yeah. And that, that takes, you know, a certain amount of balls because I'll, I just feel add, that... I'll add one thing and it's 10 seconds. It's scary doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you've done it once, it's, it's notably less scary the second time. It's even less scary the third time. And then by the time you're on your fourth, it ain't a thing. Yeah. It, so yeah. So anyone that is thinking, oh, how do I, how do I just, just do, take the plunge, tap someone on the shoulder, send an email, you will thank yourself for it. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to make a nuisance of yourself. Just get in front of people. Yeah. That's all, yeah. It seems scary. However, we're all human. Yeah. And that is the one takeaway I would say, and you actually just summarised the, the, the other point I was going to make here, which is... Sorry, mate, speaking for you. Just, ten, ten years to go. Just actually. do the thing. 
Just yeah. just do it. Just go up and speak to that person. Just drop that person a message on LinkedIn. Should be a sports brand logo that because it's so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if they are looking for some sponsorship, then we are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, the J- is this podcast got a name yet? The T- the, the TBC <laughs> podcast with Jay and Tom. Uh, I've, I've just nominated myself for, <laughs> for co-host. <laughs> um, but yeah. ju- just do it because, yeah. and that we, you know, we are very more very likely guilty. to get sued if you keep saying it. So. <laughs> we are both very guilty of procrastinating, but the fact that we are even sat in this room now doing this, it's something that I've been speaking about for a couple of years. Eventually, you just have to do it. Yeah. You, when you are miserable at work, every single day, I, I was there. Yeah. And you would come into work, you were miserable. You even took the odd day off work where you <laughs> <laughs> doctors men- mental health day or something, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think um, one of the doctors' visits was a job interview. I <laughs> but, um, it, listen, it's needs must. Nobody. The, the thing is, when you're that age, you think, oh, the bosses, the bosses, the managers. They know no one cares. They're just so worried about their own stuff. Just do you worry about them after? But focus on your career, your personal life. Not. In a, in a selfish way or to the detriment of others but those little incremental improvements that's the aim you know day by day yeah and we've actually I was aiming for an hour and we've we've done 59 minutes and 40 seconds so it just I think goes to show how perfectly aligned we are, aligned we are. <laughs> absolutely um, what do you do to round off a podcast do you say thank you for listening I think thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, listening. for being such a brilliant podcast oh, thank you, guest oh, thank you. Well, when am I getting invited back episode three <laughs> if, if enough people listen to the first one cool well it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for having me mate yeah cheers Tom cheers, cheers.